Cambridge is one of the fastest growing cities in the UK and is host to some of the most productive and innovative contributors to the UK economy. Around a thousand technology companies have flocked to the region, bringing with them 40,000 employees and their families. As a result, the population is expected to grow 28% by 2031. However, Economic growth brings with it challenges, including rising congestion, housing shortages and pollution. It is clear that Cambridge needs to take radical action to grow sustainably and in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which is the mission for the Cambridge 2030 initiative. I'm Alison Taylor and this is Cambridge in Pursuit of Equality. Today, I'm talking with Simon Humphrey, Senior Manager of Sustainability at ARM, about how businesses in Cambridge can take responsibility. And Jane Patterson-Todd, the Chief Executive of Cambridge Ahead, about how sustainable growth can be achieved. Welcome to both of you. Thank you very much for joining me today. Firstly, Jane, I'd like to ask you, how did Cambridge go from being a sleepy university city to the booming economic phenomenon that it is today? Well, I think, Alison, we've actually got to go back um, a few years when Cambridge University started to commercialise its research. And that really did lead to great levels of innovation and particularly in tech. And so it was born. I suppose it's more about people shared ideas and knowledge. They networked, they talked, they imagined, they created. And then the clustering of small organizations started to take off. Um, one person said to, to me, and I, I have to say that this is not my originality, but I think it sums Cambridge up really well. Cambridge is a low-risk place to do high-risk things. We ask ourselves a lot of the time, what is it about Cambridge? How does it do it? And, you know, we can't put our finger on it. But I think it's all about that energy, as I said, that innovation, that knowledge, that creating, sharing, that taking of ideas. I think that when you have one of the best universities in the world, you create some of the best minds. We asked Julie Spence, the Lord Lieutenant of Cambridgeshire, what she thought about the impact the university has had on industry. A lot of them then want to continue their studies as part of the university and then uh, they became very proactive in spinning out really good companies and supporting them in their initial stages of development. And really from that, you ended up with a very vibrant biomed campuses here and lots of other spin-out, top-of-the-range pioneering companies. And it's just grown from there. And then you've got other companies who want to be part of it, who want to, and AstraZeneca being a really good example, who want to exploit and be part of that, that in essence, striving to be the best you can be. So to be the best you can be, you need the best brains. And it was a, it's sort of a, a marriage made in heaven and a sort of mix in terms of having the best brains, the best industry, and creating the best brains and creating the best industry. And it's become a, a sort of a cyclical repeating cycle in terms of becoming one of the best biomed and technical centres in the world. So, Jane, other than the biomed and life sciences sectors, which industries are the city's fastest growing sectors and why? I think those organisations that innovate around technology and digital will certainly benefit from it. The third sector I would I would say that is going to see a large level of growth and development is construction. Because of course, you know, we are a high growth city 
Um, and because of that, we are going to be building more houses in the region and therefore construction is going to be at the centre of that, as well as at the centre of commercial buildings um, and the growth of commercial buildings. Moving to you, Simon, what have been the main positive impacts on communities in Cambridge of this extraordinary economic success? Um, it's a pleasant place to live and a pleasant place to work. And the more interesting people that are being attracted here increases some of our diversity. There are plenty of cultural and art-based organisations here. There are things to do. Um, it, it's led to a thriving sort of community. It, it's busy. Yes, we'll talk about congestion and the downsides of busyness and, and some sort of overcrowding. And, uh, but actually, it, it leads to a certain buzz, a certain element of, of excitement about the city. I think when you see that there are new buildings being put up, there's uh, in a mixture, mixture of the old buildings of the ancient city, it's sort of just a fun, interesting place to be. It feels lively. There feels like change is happening all the time, and we can talk about the negative sides to that. But actually, this is a good place to live. And it's got a whole lot of different people, different types of people that are attracted to work here, and to live here, to study here, and then to come back and build on its success. I think it's a great place to live. I moved from London to come to Cambridge. This is David Marr, the vicar at the Church of the Good Shepherd in Arbury. For me, it's all the best bits of London, all kind of in small, cyclable distance. You've got your theatre, you've got your culture with the museums, and you've got all that kind of life, as well as being on the edge of some beautiful, wonderful countryside. Simon. Overall, I would say there's been a, a tremendous um, positive impact of its success on on the community around uh, around Cambridge. Perhaps not just in the Cambridge and the city, but actually it's in the villages and the, and the smaller towns around Cambridge as well, which are also benefiting from the growth. So in this thriving, diverse, culturally rich city, you would imagine that everyone would be thriving within it, but not everybody is. Here's Julie again to explain. I think what's happened, and if the many people I speak to within the really successful parts of Cambridge don't actually realise that just two miles down the road there's a forgotten population who they could actually use and utilise and encourage to reach their potential and be part of their growing industry and they've been left behind in many cases but people never see the city as being divided, they only ever see and you could speak to anybody anywhere in the world and they see it as a vibrant, academic, expanding city full of brilliance, which it is. But they don't realise that a few miles down the road, there is some of the worst poverty in the country. Probably epitomised this weekend with the data coming out saying Cambridge has is the second highest for numbers of millionaires. But then we also have people who live in the bottom 10% in terms of the deprivation index. So we have great polarisation. And as one organisation said to me, it's really hard to be poor in a rich city. And that is so, so true. So why is it, Jane, that there just aren't the jobs for everybody born in Cambridge right here on their doorsteps? Well, I guess there are many factors that um, play into this. And I think perhaps just let's, let's look at the top one that we're working on at the moment, which I feel very passionate about. And I think it's because not everyone has the opportunity and the education system is still not delivering on the right level of career education in schools. We concentrate on the curriculum, but what we don't do is really try and bring together what the curriculum is and how that translates into jobs. 
And I feel really passionately, as does Cambridge Ahead, that actually every young person during their school age needs to have a much better grasp on what the local world of work has to offer. And by driving people's ambition, will it drive them into the skills and the education and the qualifications they need in order to enter the workforce? And I think that is the starting point. We have to drive down inequality and deprivation in our own city. It's too hidden. It's not understood. And the only way we can do this is by getting to the root cause. And I absolutely firmly believe that's education. So, Simon, can you please speak a bit about the negatives to people of Cambridge that have come from the city's success? The, the negative for me is, is just a relative term in when we're thinking around Cambridge and about the inequality. The inequality exists partly as a result of all the success, heightening an expectation of where everyone can achieve. And, and so what it leaves behind are quite large parts of our community that are left behind. So the benefit isn't reaching everybody. There hasn't been sufficient trickle down of the success that is that is afforded to many to reach everybody. So it does lead to an inequality. There are other possible negatives around traffic congestion, um, around actually some of the physical congestion of just people in a, in a crowded and, and physically quite a small city centre. Um, but I wouldn't say that they are, they are the issues. No, the real issues that are that, that some people are being left behind and we have inequality. And that is particularly obvious actually when we think about education. And we're in a really strange position in Cambridge uh, where you have a polarised education system. You have one of the world's, perhaps the world's finest university. Um, but the feeder schools to that university, there are some here in Cambridge, but there are many schools here in Cambridge that are really woefully under-resourced uh, in so many ways. And it just leads to those communities that, that feed into those schools being really left out of the success. And that success, not just the success of, of the last decade, of, of the next decade, but these, it's intergenerational. That These are families, these are whole communities that are going to be left behind for another generation unless something is done now. And I say it's a negative in this respect because it, is, it, it means it will just get worse. The success of Cambridge, I think there is so much behind Cambridge that the success will grow. I don't think it's going to slow down here, um, but so will the gap. I mean, I described the positives of living and living in Cambridge, but the more aware one becomes of the inequality, of the deprivation, of the, the lack of resource available to quite, I say, large communities of Cambridge, actually it starts to take the shine off Cambridge. And I think it is hidden. I'm playing a role, doing what I can to, to make it less hidden so more people are aware and can do what they are best placed to do to try and uh, reduce the inequality. But the more people do become aware, I think it will take the shine off the successful, prosperous, thriving place that Cambridge is. And it really has to be addressed. Nobody who loves Cambridge for what it is wants to live in a city with the level of inequality that exists. And the more they become aware of that, I hope actually that's part of the solution. Absolutely. So we've talked about potential negative impacts on, on people. What about the natural environment? What about how the success of Cambridge has impacted on the environment in which we, we all live? For various reasons, the roads are very busy, particularly during school term times. The public transport system doesn't really help, in my mind, help the city to thrive and function. 
Jacqueline and Kristin from Arbury told us about some of the public transport issues they've noticed within their community. There's a lot of families in this area that have more than two children and to go on a bus to town costs an awful lot of money. So I used to live in Barnwell. To go to the hospital, you had to go all the way into town and then all the way back out and it would take you like an hour. Whereas if you had a bus that went along the ring road, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Simon, this is obviously something that needs to be addressed for the people of Cambridge. As we start to solve this problem, what issues are we likely to encounter? As we grow more and the working population increases in Cambridge, then there does need to be investment in the infrastructure that allows people to get to work in an environmentally friendly way. But at the same time, that has its challenges over just which, which land it's going to use to do that and whether or not the green belt around Cambridge is being threatened in order to meet the demands both of the growth but also the need to get to work. Um, so there are natural environment impacts, uh, but again, there are opportunities here. There are opportunities to make this and continue for Cambridge to be seen as a green city, not just in the way that it responds to the environment, but by the environment itself. So moving back to you, Jane, what measures have been taken and are being taken to mitigate against these negative impacts of this successful growth? As a successful uh, city, as we've, we've all recognised, we want to encourage organisations to come to Cambridge. We do want to be able to give local people jobs. We do want to support the national economy by being a net uh, contributor. But in order to do that does mean that growth is coming. So the first thing that we need to do is recognise that there is growth. The second thing we need to do is then invest in that growth so that we enhance people's quality of life, we give people jobs, and we invest in the infrastructure that's required to ensure that, firstly, that we build houses that are affordable. Secondly, we build the infrastructure around our transport systems. So therefore, people don't need to jump in their cars. They can use public transport. And we you know, cut down on congestion. Thirdly, we begin to look at things in an, under a green context. And environmentally, we need to think about that. So we look at forms of you know, green transport. And I think by beginning those things, we then begin to try and build a city or build a city that is lasting for the future and for the quality of lives of all the communities. You know, we have a responsibility to make sure that the natural environment plays a part in every city. And I think actually Cambridge could do more it needs to take more responsibility in terms of what is the natural access that people can have and could we improve that? And what does improvement look like? So that people do have parks that they can access at the weekends. They can enjoy the outdoors, even if they do live in the middle of the city. And it's not expensive. It's there for everyone and any one part of the community. We talk about Cambridge being responsible. Cambridge needs to do this. Cambridge must make sure that this happens. What do we mean when we say Cambridge? Who exactly are we talking about it's those that have leadership in Cambridge. It's the business community. It is those that, you know, that create jobs. It is those that look after the city in terms of whether it's public realm, education, etc. So I'm looking towards the city council, you know, the district councils, the combined authority, those that spend money on the behalf of us as a public. I think that's where the responsibility lies. Um, and then I think every individual you know, where they can needs to play their part. If you love this city, you know, stand up and talk about it. What do you want from the city? 
How can we jointly come up with a plan and a strategy that actually brings every community along with us? Not to argue against what others are doing, to support, to move forward. The common agenda is that we want this to be a sustainable city for the future and for the next generation. And particularly those young people are going to inherit it. Simon, explain to me, what are the UN Sustainable Development Goals and how are they relevant? In around uh, 2015, uh, the United Nations brought together general consensus of, of all its members, about 190 odd countries around the world, on 17 goals, which summarised what needed to be done by 2030 for the world to be a more sustainable and, in a sense, more equal world. Um, of those 17 goals, they, they range across, in fact, they are a, a, a complete list, really, of, of all of the things that need to get done to solve all the world's problems. So it's fairly ambitious, which is why it was something that they encouraged governments to sign up to, and all those governments did sign up to it. It's, a, it's effectively led by nations. And these goals range through um, anti-poverty, gender equality, the environment, education, and they're very broad ranging. They, they also cover city development, responsible um, development growth, responsible cities, which talks about energy efficiency and smart cities as well, and those sorts of things. So they're very broad ranging, but they can be broken down into individual targets that sit underneath the goals and then indicators. And the idea is that if all the nations agree, and then all of the people and the businesses and the organisations and the enterprises within those nations agree, everyone has a role to play in helping to deliver these goals and effectively make the world this more sustainable place. In many cases, they are relevant, particularly to underdeveloped economies and underserved communities. But actually, there is relevance in each of these goals, each of these 17 goals, to the developed world as well. And no more so than some of the the issues that these goals highlight that we suffer here in Cambridge, the inequity that, that exists around education, the access to resource, the access some of us even within cities like Cambridge, and this is one of those most truly shocking um, and, and really saddening statistics around food poverty that exists within Cambridge. So anti-poverty and anti-hunger may be something that people might consider to be a third world or a developing world issue, but actually we've got it here in Cambridge. We'll take a deeper look into some of the goals you mentioned around food poverty and education later in the series. But here's Julie Spence's thoughts on how Cambridge is tackling environmental sustainability and responsible development growth. As we try to create a carbon neutral county going forward, more needs to be looked at. I mean, there are some really good projects just outside Cambridge where you've got the RSPB working with the Brick Gravel Company to make sure that land is reclaimed to become wildlife havens that's in development in terms of the city and its environs it you know it really needs to invest and not lose the green spaces like midsummer common jesus green because that's what makes it a great place to live and work is the fact that you have these spaces it really is important that we don't go backwards and we seek to find other other methods and means to enhance those green spaces because without it it wouldn't be a good place to live. It wouldn't be the place it is now. So, as we continue with this phenomenal success and growth of Cambridge, how, Simon, do we make sure that it is in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goals? So what first needs to be done is, is simplify them and understand them in the local context. To do that, we have to have a baseline and we have to have that context. We have to know what some of the most critical issues are here. 
um, where those gaps exist in our in our society, and then look at what we can do to fill the gaps. And in my mind, those the filling of the gaps is is about there'll be a certain degree of needing additional resource, but it may just be that we need to encourage greater collaboration between the agencies, enterprises, and and organisations that are already delivering benefit and service across Cambridge and Cambridgeshire, and also not taking our eye off the ball in terms of the complexity and the interconnectedness of these of these issues and these goals, is that to address hunger also does need to take awareness and cognizance of the improving of education, uh, the improving of equalities. It needs to look at actually some, some pretty fundamental stuff around town planning and around access to work as well as fair and decent work. So none of these goals, and this is perhaps the important thing to understand in that local context and a global context, None of them operate independently. The outcome of addressing the education issue, goal number four, isn't just so that everyone can walk around with a degree. Because as you tell the hungry, the degree doesn't buy you food. Quality education allows and facilitates the delivery of the other goals. So we have to see this as a connected thing. There isn't one target around these goals. There isn't one single thing that needs to be done. There needs to just be a greater awareness of the interconnectedness between these issues. So we can bring these great minds together, the great organisations, the will that exists across Cambridge and Cambridgeshire to actually see that we we can make a dent in these goals, both for the now and certainly for 2030. Jane, from your perspective, what does a sustainable future for the city look like? And you've touched a little bit on who you feel is responsible But how do we make that happen? Who's going to make that happen? The first thing is to understand, you know, what does an individual in all the communities we operate in, the harder to reach to the affluent, what does a quality of life mean to an individual? Because by only understanding that, can we begin to actually build a sustainable city? By understanding what people want from their city, what makes it special, what's important to them, comes from them independently of what we may think. Once we understand that, we can start to build towards it. We can share this with our local authorities. So think about when you're building houses, what's important to people in their surrounding area. Think about public realm and what we should be doing to better that so people have more access. What is it about the historical part of the city that people are intimidated by and won't enter it from more deprived communities? It's things like that that we need to try and stop so that therefore it becomes seamless and it's an area where everyone enjoys. And so I think the first thing is to really start at the core problem, which is quality of life. The second core issue is education. And I think this is the one thing that we've talked a lot about. We need to go back to the the core issues around how much people really recognise the opportunities that are in front of them locally. And how do they access them through through work? It is about all levels of employment is so important in Cambridge. And we have more vacancies than we have people. So there are great opportunities on the horizon for people. We need to just make that a reality for everyone. By doing that, we'll have a much more sustainable city. Thank you both for your time today. It's been fascinating speaking to you. We'll turn over to Julie Spence, Lord Lieutenant of Cambridge, for some final thoughts. Well, thank you, Alison. I mean, what's really clear for any of us who live in this city, it's a pleasant place to work. In fact, it's a fabulous place to work and fabulous place to live. We have a cultural hub. We have museums and arts all within a square mile. 
We're on the edge of some amazing countryside. It is busy and it is overcrowded, but some of that is people just wanting to get to feel the Cambridge vibe. We do have, as a county, a very, very low unemployment rate. Within the city, there are more jobs than we have people available to do them. And because people are looking for talent for their own industries, they're often going abroad to find that talent. Now, we do want the diversity of thinking that comes with that within the city, but we also need to give local people, local children, a stake in the future. We also need to ensure that we have a public transport system that, one, facilitates people leaving cars at home, but importantly, allows people quick access to all parts of the city. We need to ensure, importantly, that the leadership the business leadership, the public sector leadership, and particularly the public sector who spend the money on behalf of the public, come together around a common agenda. We all know that if you take small steps together, you can achieve the UN's Sustainable Development Goals. We can do that together. If you look at the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals, no goal is independent. And if you look at our other podcasts that will be coming up, you will see that all the issues that we discuss, none of them sits alone. They all require connectivity with each other to enable us to have success. Food poverty is actually linked to education and education attainment. It's linked to health. If you're not healthy, you may not be able to hold down a job and therefore you end up being homeless. There is so much interconnectivity that we have between the issues that we have to make sure that we work together. We should be able to develop both individual and organisational community spirit that gets Cambridge delivering a sustainable city that its residents can really enjoy and benefit from. Thank you to everyone who contributed to this episode of Cambridge in Pursuit of Equality. Simon Humphrey, Senior Manager of Sustainability at ARM. Jane Patterson Todd, CEO of Cambridge Ahead. Vicar David Maher of the Church of the Good Shepherd, Jacqueline and Christine from the Arbury community, and to the team at Conscious Communications for bringing this all together. If you'd like to be a contributor on a future series of Cambridge in Pursuit of Equality, please contact Alison Taylor at Conscious Communications on info at ConsciousComs.com. We believe the messages around reducing inequality in this episode are important so please help us spread them far and wide by sharing this show with your network. Finally, if you want to be part of Cambridge 2030 or simply find out more, head over to cambridge2030.org and register your interest. Come on, Cambridge, we know that we can make this a sustainable city to be proud of and one in which everybody has a stake. So please sign up to help and give your support.